Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, thank you for joining me again on this special edition of Mornings uh, with Carmen LaBerge here on the Faith Radio Network. It is the day after Christmas, the 26th of December, 2022. You're listening to a special recorded edition of Mornings with Carmen. So thank you so much for including me in this day after Christmas. So it's the second day of Christmas. It's the day when um, historically people exchange gifts that they got that they didn't want after exchanging gifts with other people. Um, and giving, hopefully, good gifts to one another. Let's talk about the gift exchange for just a minute. Exchanging gifts is a long-standing Christmas tradition, especially uh, in, in the West. And so it's loosely tied, it's loosely tied to the reality that um, Jesus being God's gift to us and then people showing up to give their gifts to Jesus, right? It's loosely tied to the arrival of the Magi. We think of them as the three wise men. Um, we, the only reason we think of them as three is because there were three gifts. There were certainly more than three wise men, three more than three Magi from the East who visited Jesus at Bethlehem. That's recorded for you in Matthew chapter two, if you haven't read it recently. Um, and the worship of the Magi is really significant. Uh, they are the first Gentiles to bow down and worship the one who they recognized was not only king of the Jews, but king of all kings, right? By bowing down in worship, they are acknowledging that Jesus is the king of kings. Their adoration is also the fulfillment of biblical prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. Um, You will remember from Isaiah chapter 60, nations will come to, uh, to, to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn, That promise uh, began to be fulfilled almost as soon as Jesus was born. Now, the Magi arrived probably, you know, somewhere between 18 months and uh, a couple of years after the birth of Jesus. So they're not actually present that night in Bethlehem when Jesus is born. Um, But they do arrive and they represent the nations and they represent the reality that all nations will one day come to worship Christ. They They are the first ones to arrive in the spirit of Philippians chapter two, that the day will come when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So um, they bring these treasures and the treasures that they brought are significant as well. They were costly gifts and they demonstrate the worthiness of the one to whom they were given. And so when you think about um, the gift that God gives to you in the person of Jesus at Christmas, there's an exchange what what is worthy to bring to give to god what's on jesus's wish list this christmas in terms of what we would bring to him well the gifts that the wise men brought that the magi brought were gold frankincense and myrrh gold is a gift fit for a king it's a symbol of royalty and in the ancient world incense was often used for religious worship um particularly in the tabernacle 
the Bible also represents the, um, in the Bible, it also represents the prayers of the saints, the incense, that prayers would be rising like incense before the Lord. And so myrrh then, uh, what is myrrh? Well, myrrh is used in the embalming process as a spice to prepare the dead for burial. That seems a strange gift to bring, um, you know, to essentially to um, a baby shower. Doesn't that seem strange? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. So each of these gifts was uniquely appropriate for Christ because each one um, is basically prophetic in terms of some aspect of who he is. Gold is for kings and Jesus came to be the king. The Magi worshiped him as the king of the Jews. Um, I mean, eventually, even Pilate recognizes that he is the king of the Jews. That's the placard placed above uh, Christ on the cross. Now, what about incense? Well, incense is for priests, and Jesus is, in fact, the great high priest, the one who offers prayers up to God. He is the ultimate intercessor. He's also the sacrifice for our sins. In, in its description of his death, the Bible mentions two details specifically involving myrrh. One concerns the drink that Jesus was offered on the cross, wine mixed with myrrh, and the other concerns the spices that were used to prepare his body for burial. In John chapter 19, it says, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, and taking Jesus' body, the two of them, meaning Joseph of Arimathea, wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. Now, those details remind us of the Magi, whose gift of myrrh hinted already back in Bethlehem that Jesus was born to die. What are the gifts that you are exchanging today? And what's the big exchange that God came to make with you in the person of Jesus? God brings his gift of Jesus. Do you bring the gift of yourself to give back to him? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Now, Dr. Linda Mental, you can find her here at the Faith Radio Network at the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find her online, drlindamental.com. Linda, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. I'm glad we're talking about anxiety. Um, You've already mentioned three things that could give people anxiety, and that is you mentioned violence and homicide. You mentioned rising crime. You mentioned melanoma, which is uh, obviously a, a health concern. And then you mentioned that Paul's going to host your show. So. Big anxiety. Big anxiety. <laughs> Big anxiety there. Well, and the people in, uh, in Florida in the, in, you know, in the projected path of Hurricane Ian, yes. we talked about that in the first hour. So, yeah, I think that there are lots of causes for anxiety out there in the world. Talk with us about what anxiety is, its prevalence, um, and then uh, maybe touch on this new recommendation from um, the U.S., preventative services task force that doctors now screen all patients under the age of 65 um, for um, for anxiety. Yeah, so anxiety is pretty well known to most people. It's that feeling of restlessness and your heart races and you feel stressed most of the time and you have this 
mental part of it that usually is about worry, uh, what if, what if, anxiety is very future focused. So it's always the, well, what if, what if something happens? And this sort of fear that accompanies our lives when we're feeling anxious, fear is right in there with it. And the problem with it is it activates our stress system in our body and it keeps us on this sort of state of alert, which is not good for the physical body. And so there are tens of millions of people. I I don't know the latest statistic. It may be 40 million people, but it is the most common mental health concern uh, and problem that people struggle with. And we know that during the pandemic, uh, it really took uh, a rise the World Health Organization estimated that anxiety and depression both grew by 25% during the pandemic. So all of that stress that we all have experienced over, you know, the pandemic went on, it's still kind of going on with, uh, you know, two and a half years later, and now we're dealing with variants. And so this stress of isolation, people working at home was good in some ways, but harder for people with small children. Uh, providing homeschooling, which a lot of families struggle to do. And then, you know, there's so many people that were dealing with so many different things that were just anxious uh, all the time, and that is not good for our health. So what happened, as you mentioned, the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force, which is just, it's an independent group of experts, uh, medical experts. It's a volunteer panel, and what they do is they look at the evidence-based, they look at evidence-based medicine, and they try to look at what could help prevent disease, and then how do you best deal with disease. And so they made this new recommendation that doctors, like you mentioned, screen all patients under the age of 65, including those who are pregnant or postpartum for anxiety. And the reason I, I get asked all the time, well, what did, why did they cut it off at 65? Well, they, they looked at the research and they, they determined that when you get older in your 60s, that your well-being seems to get better uh, than younger people. Now, not for everybody, because I can certainly think of a lot of elderly people who are quite anxious, and but more so even depressed. So older people, when you look at their symptoms, often there is this overlap of what we sometimes think is just normal aging, but it could be anxiety, and there's a lot of depression. So there is a recommendation for people over 65 to be screened for a depression. That's already there. But this is one of the reasons why they sort of made this age cutoff. And the thinking is that, you know, if they screen, then maybe we'll detect these uh, mental health conditions sooner. This is the whole point of all screenings, right? Whether it's a medical screening, maybe you'll find an early stage of a disease. Um, you know, just like with you, I, I went in for my dermatology screening and they found a basal cell carcinoma that mm-hmm. I had exci- you know, had an excision on. So that's good. You're screening. You want to prevent things from happening. So screenings are a way for doctors to talk to you, to you know, ask you about your life. And then the hope is that if you screen for anxiety, maybe by answering some broad questions, filling out a little, you know, little survey, um, or just them asking you a few questions, that maybe they can pick this up earlier. So um, when you think about this, do you have any particular concerns? Yeah, the biggest concern I had when I first uh, read the recommendation was I, I, because I teach medical students and I work with physicians every day. And I'm thinking, how are they going to add this into their already very busy schedule? So this is a recommendation primarily for primary care doctors 
Well, what we know is that the average primary care doctor has about eight minutes per patient in their very busy schedule. So you think about all the different screenings. I mean, they're screening for so many different diseases uh, along the way uh, that, you know, all these chronic health, you have to ask about hypertension and heart issues, and they're supposed to screen for substance use and domestic violence and uh, diet and all these, you know, cancers that come up. And I think, how are they going to work this in to all the other things that they're supposed to be screening for? And that is a concern that the physicians have is there's so many things we're supposed to do in these very short visits that we have with patients. How do we get all this in? Yeah. And, and then I the would second, another, yeah, another concern would, would simply be the lack of resources. If, yes. I mean, if an additional 25% of the U S population is suddenly diagnosed with anxiety mm-hmm. and or related um, disorders, we don't have mental health uh, services capacity to serve the people who are already diagnosed with mental That's illnesses right. and mental health challenges. How, That's I right. mean, what's the capacity building out there related to this? It's, it's a real problem. I mean, even at, for years, you know, I've worked in, in the mental health field. And when I need to send someone to a psychiatrist, the wait is usually three to six months, even in the best systems. And if you're struggling with depression and you're feeling suicidal or you're feeling highly anxious and it's, distressing you and it's impairing you, you don't want to wait six months to get an appointment to try to maybe get some help for that. So that is the biggest concern is that we have a shortage of doctors, first of all. And then you talk about rural areas. So all of our listeners in rural places where they know that their community may not even have a psychiatrist, may not even have someone uh, in mental health that can help them and they have to drive an hour. And then we're talking about access to care. And even, you know, if there's services an hour away, can you get there? Do you have transportation? Can you take off of your job? Can you make an appointment and spend a half a day going somewhere? That's not reasonable for most people. So the, the working this out in practical terms is really an important thing that has to be thought about because when you do a screening, the expectation is then you send people to get the help and get the needed resources. And with all the shortages around the country, it could be uh, that it's a waste of time. Or I thought it's going to make people even more anxious. Now I'm screened and I've been told that I might have some anxiety issues and now there's nobody for me to see or it's going to take me a long time to get in and get help. So we need more funding uh, for mental health. We keep saying that over and over. We need to, we're trying to, in the medical school end of it, we're trying to create more residencies because when you create residencies, which is what a medical student goes into to become a doctor, then eventually that means that those residencies will employ people in their area typically and you'll get more people going in to be a doctor. So the more residencies you have available and that has not happened in a long time. There has not been a, a surge in residencies, yet we need more doctors. So there's a lot of issues involved in this. All right. So in, um, in Linda's book, Letting Go of Worry, she, um, she talks about anxiety and she talks about seven practical ways that you and I could actually stop being anxious right now. You want to stop being anxious? Seven practical ways up next with Dr. Linda Mental. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grave of sin. 
All right. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. I don't want to create any anxiety right now. So this list of seven things you can do right now to relieve your anxiety um, are contained in a post by Dr. Linda Mental. And that uh, link is going to be included in today's show notes. So it'll be up later at MyFaithRadio.com in today's um, show notes. Also, if you subscribe to the podcast, then when it, when you click on your podcast link, the show notes come up as well, or there's a link to them. So take a deep breath because that's where we start. You, um, Linda, you outline seven um, ways in let go of worry, uh, seven practical ways to say goodbye to um, to worry and or anxiety. So can we just walk through them quickly? Yeah, and so I like that first one because Paul already was doing it. Remember, he's going to host your show, and he was saying he has to take a calming breath. <laughs> but actually breathing is just such an easy, simple thing for people to do. When you when you feel that stress in your body and you feel yourself starting to get anxious, the, the whole point of breathing is it slows everything down and it engages a part of your nervous system that is calming. So it really does do some good. And then I think the, the second one that is related to that, Carmen, that we don't always think about, but it really is good for anxiety and stress and is exercising. Just getting your body uh, moving and a workout can really calm down that body because it, again, engages parts of your nervous system in a good way where it starts to calm you down and to help you feel all better. So when people are anxious, you know, one of the things that they do is they go to the gym or they try to go out for a walk. And and if you walk in nature, not in a city, but in nature, that is also known to be a very calming uh, way to help and deal with anxiety. So walking in a park, you know, finding a very beautiful place to just sit and to look out at a lake in Minnesota where where this show originates, there's so many beautiful lakes and beautiful places to stay um, that you can go into nature and feel calm. And then it, it's that. really, it's really good to, it's really good to when you're stressed to talk to somebody. And it's not just that you're saying things to people. What happens is your brain is wired to be in connection with other people. That's how God designed our brain. We're wired for other people. And when we just socially connect with another person, Again, there's a part of the body that gets into that fight or flight. It's called our sympathetic nervous system, and it just gets into a ready to fight or flight. It's the stress response that we all have. When somebody comes alongside you and just is with you, it starts to calm down that fight or flight response. In fact, there was a really interesting study. There was a, a, a study that was done where they put people in front of a hill, and they said, okay, estimate how steep that hill is. So a person gave the number and then they brought in uh, a person and they put another person standing three feet away, not even facing the same direction as the person and not talking to the person. So the person was just standing there facing the opposite way, three feet away. And then they said, okay, estimate the steepness of a hill. What happened is that just the presence of another person led the estimation to be way lower. So people looked at that and they went, oh, just having another person next to me, I estimated my challenges or the steepness of a hill to be so much more less. So it reduces stress when you have another person with you. And I think there's a great spiritual application for that too, because we always talk about the presence of God in our lives and that God is in us. 
He's with us. He's always there. And if we can tap into the idea that even when we're anxious and we're stressed, that God is with me, that presence is calming in and of itself. So that is a spiritual weapon that we all have that's not mentioned in any of the evidence-based treatments, but it's certainly <laughs> right. an evidence-based treatment for the, the, the believer, right, is that you have so that good. presence. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to read the list. Um, here are seven things you can do right now to say goodbye to worry. The book is Letting Go of Worry. Dr. Linda Mental is the author. Take a deep breath. Have a conversation or distract your brain. Um, exercise. Engage in self-care. All right. This is, um, well, that would be one of my favorites for sure. Um, listen to music. Probably the right kind of music. Um, living in the moment, we're going to circle back to that one here in just a second, because I want you to focus on that um, in the minute we have left, Linda, and then meditate on the word of God. Obviously, God gives us his word um, as an, a tremendous resource. Talk with us about living in the moment. So anxiety, as I mentioned, is one of those future-focused thoughts and feelings. So what if, what if, what if? So part of the work is always to be you know, God is with me now. He's in my life. He's taking care of me. He's in control. So rather than the what if, just focus on them now and focus on what God has you doing now. Be intentional. Think about the blessings that you have, what's happening good in your life. The the song that we sing, focus on the goodness of God, that he's always been faithful to me. And right now in this place, God can keep me in that perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on him. So it's living in the moment, not worrying about what is going to happen in the future and what if something happens. Amen. As always, Linda, um, thank you so much. You guys want to catch the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You can also find it at MyFaithRadio.com, um, and you can visit her online at DrLindaMental.com. As always, thank you so much. All right. Be blessed. Be relaxed. Take your, care of yourself, and uh, hopefully we'll be praying for you and Hear you very soon back on the radio. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, let's take a break for Breakpoint. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. Fernando Arroyo is going to join us next. The book is The Shadow of Death. And... This is a recorded conversation, and we did not have the opportunity to say the first time that we have books to give away. So as you're listening to this, if it touches your heart and you want to enter the drawing for the copies of The Shadow of Death we have to give away today, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Let's talk now about life and the shadow of death. The book is The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Fernando Arroyo joins us now. Fernando, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I feel like we should probably offer um, some kind of heads up and warning for those listening. So um, because you're in a better position to do that than I am, for people who you know might um, have what could be described as PTSD, war residue, a soul wound, um, what do they need to know before you and I start talking? Um, I've been to war three times. I was a paratrooper 
I was trained to jump out of airplanes, to shoot, move, communicate, and kill. And that's what my story entails. Uh, there's a lot of uh, violence. There's uh, gunfights. Um, all the things that war fighters do. And that's what people are going to hear about. <clears throat> yeah. So if you're listening right now and um, there are little ears in the car on the way to school, um, this might be one of those conversations that you want to um, uh, put your earbuds in for, or maybe one that you want to listen to as a part of the podcast um, posted at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can just listen to Mornings with Carmen a little bit later today um, because uh, Fernando and I are going to talk about um, the realities of war, um, the battles that uh, he fought on what you and I think of as war terrain, and then also the battle for his soul, which, thanks be to God, um, is a battle won in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Fernando, um, it's, a hard, it's hard to know really where to start this conversation, because if we start at the beginning with the sensory experiences that you describe in the opening of the book, um, I mean, I think the word sickening is is probably the best word, and yet I don't really know a better place to start. Um, and so... Maybe maybe take us to the scene um, that you experienced, but then also the one that you seem to relive in your nightmares. <clears throat> to the scene that I experienced and relive in my nightmares, um, one of the one of the most intense battles that I faced when I was in combat was when a suicide bomber packed a truck. I think it was a bongo truck with about 2,000 pounds of explosives and drove it into a joint security station and wiped out an Iraqi police station. And there were over 19 Iraqi policemen killed in that moment, followed by a, a team of insurgents, about 20 insurgents, storming what was left of the joint security station where our my American brothers from Charlie Company of my unit were you know, had concussions and they're trying to get on their feet to fight. So my platoon was called to go and save them. And I went right into that. And it was for one hour we fought. And in that one hour, once the, the, the fighting was over to keep the insurgents from taking over this base, um, we won that battle. And we killed over 170 or 200 bad guys. That was like the estimated uh, body count. So that was one of the intense moments that when I came back from Iraq, um, I didn't always have nightmares about the things that I did. It was kind of like my, my brain twisted things up where I would have nightmares about um, what the psychologist will later call, tell me were death dreams of mm -hmm you know, having survived so many near-death experiences and my mind just reliving them and those nightmares were haunting me. Mm -hmm. And that led to a, um, a particular event one day um, when you thought that maybe it would be better um, if you didn't wake up um, and, and you considered taking your own life, but something pretty dramatic happened. Can you share that portion of your story? Yeah, when uh, so so many of my friends have committed suicide. Sadly, uh, a lot of guys that I serve with are are no longer here, and it's not because the enemy took them. It was 
because they took their own lives. And I was going to be, I was on my way to become one of those veterans that, you know, I think the statistic is 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Mm. And I reached a low point when, you know, I was sick of the nightmares. I was, uh, I was just exhausted, you know, um, the invisible wounds of war, the, the, the mental trauma, the emotional trauma, it all affects us physically. Like it, it, your, your mental wounds will affect you physically. I was exhausted and I reached a point where I thought, okay, it's time for me to take my own life. So one night I put a gun in my mouth and I remember, um, I said a prayer in my mind and I said, God, if you're there, save me. And I took the safety off the pistol and I had it in my mouth as I was, you know, tears were rolling down my cheeks and I thought, okay, um, this is going to be a surprise. I'm just going to put my thumb on the trigger, squeeze, and then it's, you know, just all going to end. And then I said in my, in my mind, God, if you're there, save me. And there was no response. So then I put my thumb on the trigger, closed my eyes, and I heard a boom. That boom shocked me. It scared me. I opened my eyes. I dropped the pistol. And I looked around me, and I didn't see there was any blood. I checked my head for a wound. There was no bullet hole in my head and then I noticed what I heard the boom that I heard was my bible on my office desk it it fell to the floor so God did show up that day Mm. we're talking with uh Fernando Arroyo um his website is paratrooperarroyo.com his book the shadow of death from my battles in Fallujah to the battle for my soul um, Fernando, um, you are engaged in really active ministry today. I mean, you, you didn't just go on to get an education. You went on to really serve. Um, I mean, you're serving in really, really extraordinary ways. Can you share with folks a couple of minutes about the Step Forward Academy and what you're doing today? Yeah, at Step Forward Academy, what we do is uh, through mentorship and coaching, we help veterans to find their calling, find their career, Uh, find community so that um, they find purpose. One of the biggest problems I had was purpose. You know, I got out of the army and I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do when I got out. But then I I just, I felt all alone. Like so many veterans, we go from being a part of this brotherhood and, you know, where my, my brothers to my left and my right were willing to lay down their life for me. And then you come out here Less than 1% of Americans have served in the military or serve in the military. And so being a veteran out here is kind of, uh, I guess, lonely. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Mm -hmm. And through mentorship and coaching, um, the aim is to help veterans find a career, find community, and to end veteran suicide. We want to, we're partnering up with several other veteran nonprofits. And uh, we are a Christian faith-based nonprofit. So, I mean, the most important thing, uh, the greatest hope anyone can have is eternal life through Christ. And that's number one. The gospel is of the utmost importance. And uh, when you put God first in your life, everything else will, will, will uh, fall right where it needs to be. And so bringing hope to veterans is, is uh, our main mission. I love it. You guys can find that at Step Forward Academy. 
dot org step forward academy dot org we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with fernando arroyo you can find him at paratrooperarroyo.com his book the shadow of death from my battles in fallujah to the battle for my soul you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen laburge and this is faith radio Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks a lot. Hey, if you're a regular listener to Mornings with Carmen, you know I have a son who spent uh, two tours of duty in Afghanistan as a Marine. Um, You know, we've talked about the soul wound. You know, we've talked about um, things that go beyond physical injuries. You also know the the stories of redemption that we have featured here. Fernando Arroyo uh, is an Army Ranger, did all kinds of crazy things that are chronicled in his book, Uh, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. He is one of the reasons you and I enjoy the freedoms we enjoy here in the United States of America today. Um, Fernando, thank you so much for being here, for telling your story, for the ministry you now do through the Step Forward Academy and elsewhere. Can you take us back? I mean, we just celebrated the 21st anniversary of 9-11. I am thinking you were like 17 at the time. You hadn't finished high school. Take us, take us back um, to, to when you enlisted in the U S army into your, what your life looked like and, um, and that sense of calling. Yeah, as a kid, I knew I wanted to join. Um, Yeah, I was like five or six years old when Operation Desert Storm took place, and I saw the action on TV, and I thought, oh, that's cool to to be a ground troop. That would be awesome. And then 10 years later, it's September 11, 2001, and yeah, I was 17 years old, and I was a senior in high school in the city of Bell Gardens. And I remember walking into my first class, and my buddy Max, he said, hey, did you, did you hear about the explosion at the World Trade Center? And I said, no. He said, yeah, I think someone blew up a bomb. I thought, wow, that's weird. So it wasn't until my second class, um, everyone was still in the classroom. Some of the students were crying, and they were staring at a TV in front of the classroom. So I walked in, and, and I saw what they were looking at, and I saw the Twin Towers on fire. Um, I watched the, the second plane hit, and then I saw people – jumping out of these buildings that were burning because they would rather commit suicide than burn alive. Then I heard that America was under attack. And at the age of 17, uh, as a senior in high school, it was my time to answer the call. And I did. So on September 29, 2001, I had swore to defend this country and I signed a contract to, uh, you know, serve as a paratrooper to jump out of airplanes and fight. And, It was uh, about a year later, it was August of 2002, when uh, I had graduated high school and I was shipped out to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. And then I I just remember um, the first time I got on an airplane was to go train to parachute out of airplanes. I know. This is okay. So this is the question that I have that I have written down next, because first of all, you you signed up to jump out of airplanes having never been on an airplane. And then the first time you get on an airplane is to fly from L.A. to Fort Benning, Georgia, and God plants you in a seat next to a guy um, who 
ask you a pretty profound question. I mean, this conversation that takes place during your first flight ever is pretty extraordinary. Can you can you take us into that uh, <clears throat> into that experience? Yeah, I'm on the airplane, and before it even takes off, you know, there's the the pilots are testing the the gears and things, and I'm hearing noises I've never heard before, and I'm thinking, is everything okay? And then as soon as it starts, the plane starts moving to take off, it's shaking, but that's all normal. But I didn't know that, you know, and I was, uh, I was scared. I remember just thinking like, oh no, like I, no wonder the recruiter tried to talk me out of jumping out of planes. This is stupid. (laughs) And then, uh, so we're in the air and I look out the window and I'm thinking, oh no, no way I'll be able to jump from this high up. Like, you know, so the guy next to me saw I was concerned and I don't remember his name. I never saw him I mean, he's again. just a regular guy. He's just flying on an airplane like me to some meeting somewhere. Like, right? He's just a regular <laughs> person. Yeah. Yeah, this regular guy. And then he notices I'm worried, and he starts asking me what's going on. And I tell him, yeah, I, I signed up to parachute out of an airplane, and you know, I'm going to the Army, and I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life. And he says, yeah, he asked me, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And I said, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. And then he told me, he asked me why I joined. I said, because I, I feel it's my calling. It's some, you know, and he says, did you pray about it? I said, yeah, I prayed about it. He says, well, then God will get you through it. And I thought, oh, that's right. God is the one who put it in my heart. I signed up. Like, it's going to be me depending on him. It's going to be, he's going to work miracles. That's what God does. So, yeah, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, and finished infantry school and then airborne school. And I successfully jumped out of an airplane five times and passed airborne school. So God did get me through. All right. And then what comes next? Like kind of give us the, uh, you know, the rapid fire um, uh, progression from there to, um, to Fallujah. Yeah. Rapid fire. I got on a bus after airborne school, went to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina the home of the Airborne and Special Operations Forces. And I volunteered to be in a reconnaissance team or platoon. So I made it through that two-week tryout. And then I trained, um, did more advanced training, more shooting, more uh, recon and sniper training. And then we, we got the call that we're going to Iraq and I didn't know I was going to Fallujah. I didn't even know about anything about Fallujah. All I knew is that we were going to land at the Baghdad International Airport. And I remember landing there. And when I got out of the airplane, it was just, it was, I think it was 120 degrees. And with the blast from the heat of the, 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 the C-130 cargo plane, I had instant chaplets. And I remember I just thought, man, this is, like, this is so hot. This is going to be terrible. And I had all this combat gear on, my body armor, helmet, weapons, hand grenades, flashbangs, everything. So I'm carrying a bunch of weight, and I'm just sweating, and I can't stop. And then, uh, yeah, that's uh, about two weeks after we landed at Baghdad International Airport. I was in Fallujah, Iraq, where I would Mm -hmm. be for the next six or seven months. And we were carrying out counterinsurgency operations, missions to kill or capture high-value targets, counter-IED operations, just uh, yeah. going into the city and getting in gunfights like every time we went in or, you know, I don't know how many IEDs almost got me, but I, I experienced several uh, roadside bomb explosions and 
um, yeah, no, nothing ever, no bullet ever touched me. Not one piece of shrapnel ever touched me. It's extraordinary. Um, it's extraordinary. You guys need to read the book um, in part so that you will understand the price being paid um, for our freedom and the preservation of it. The book is The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Um, you also need to read the book so that you can understand the, the very real redemptive power and grace of God, the peace which passes all understanding. Um, Fernando's, you know, full testimony. Um, Fernando, um, thank you so much for for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing every day now um, in terms of serving others at the Step Forward Academy. You guys check that out and share it with veterans you know, Step Forward Academy. Dot org. Um, Fernando, um, would you also just share your deepest gratitude um, with your parents? Like, tell them we're so grateful um, for them and um, and for you and for your family's service because we we recognize that um, you know this isn't just about you. This is about um, this is about so many others. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so many others, and the the. The families of, of, you know, the parents who watch their their sons and daughters join, and uh, they didn't come back home alive. Yeah, um, I know. You know, there's just so much, so many sacrifices that have been made for this great nation. And uh, just yesterday, I saw my parents, and mm. uh, yeah, I'm still here, and they're yeah. still here, and I get to spend time with them. So many of my friends don't get to do that. So I know. Well, will uh, you call your and, mama? Yeah. Will you call your mama and tell her thank you for me? <laughs> I'll tell okay. her that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, you guys, this is uh, Fernando Arroyo. You can you can find him online and visit with him and get all kinds of resources at paratrooperarroyo.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Fernando Arroyo. The book is The Shadow of Death, and we do have copies of the book to give away today. Um, If you would like to enter the drawing for the copies of The Shadow of Death that we have in studio to give away today, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I don't know that um, Paul Perot and I have kept track this year of the number of books that we have given away, but let's just say it is many. And so if you're one of the people who has received a resource from Faith Radio this year, I hope you are enjoying it. I hope you have unwrapped it. I hope you have um, read it and used it. If there are ways in which this ministry has been a blessing to you this year, would you consider a year-end gift to in turn bless us? Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and give your best year-end gift today. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.